Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this podcast and we pray that it blesses you. For any information on this sermon or our other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Hey guys, so good to see you. Like, uh, my name's Jared and I'm one of the pastors here. Do you know, this morning I went to another church. Uh, oh, I know. What? Church cheater. Um, and it was, it was for ages away. It was all the way over in Hallswell. Um, a friend of mine, Darren Cheadle, some of you guys will know him. He was getting ordained. And so I went there to support him getting ordained. I'd never been in a church that was that loud. Like, Every time someone would say Jesus, like two-thirds of the church would just stand up and be like, yeah, and then they'd sit back down. And I was like, you know, and then at some point I leaned over to my brother and I went, do they not know that they're white? He's like, I don't know, because it was like, honestly, it was like, like what you see on TV. It was like this epic black Baptist American Bible Belt church. And then somebody got up and they said, you know what? Um, my husband was in a really intense car accident at the start of the week. They didn't think that he'd live. They put him in a coma and they're like, he's not going to make it. And now he's like almost fully recovered within a week. And everyone's like standing up on their feet and they're all screaming. They're all going, Jesus. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And you know what? Most of them were older than me and looked like they could run a marathon the moment the praise started. I was like, my gosh, these people. So I want to encourage you, whenever you're at church and you feel excited on the inside, turn to your neighbor right now and be like, I can let the outside know what's happening on the inside, okay? It is a good thing to get excited, have a lot of fun. It was just so much fun. I'm a pretty loud out there person, and when I start feeling like everybody in the room is louder than me, you know it's a loud place, okay? Hey, um, so I've got a word tonight that I want to share, and it's convenient because I'm preaching, Um, but it's called Three Dreams, okay? Three Dreams. I've got three dreams I want to share with you, and, and my heart tonight is that these stories of these dreams would begin to awaken something in you. I don't know if you've ever had like, in the morning, like every morning you wake up is how you start your day. When when I was flatting, I used to often, like often wake up and start my day on the wrong side of the bed, okay? But like most people, that's just an emotional thing. I would literally get up, jump out of bed onto the wrong side of the bed because I wake up. The moment I'm awake, I'm like, let's go. And I would so often just hit the wall with my face, bounce back onto the bed and roll onto the ground in pain. Then I got married, okay? And my wife was like, you know, one of the things that we were engaged is like, when we get married, I want to keep my bed. And I was like, oh, you can keep your bed. She's like, because it's, it's an old bed. I got it from my granddad. I'm like, okay. She's like, it's a water bed. So I have now, like through marriage, inherited, like a king size 80s style red velvet roller coaster waterbed, okay? And it's just like, oh my gosh, that thing is the bane of my life. How I hate it. But, but, do you know what happens? This is what I, I got. So I had this bad habit in life of falling asleep on my stomach, okay? And hugging myself because I'm a quite a cuddly person. So I thought when I get married, that would solve that problem. She's like, don't touch me, I'm sleeping. Okay, so I'd fall asleep all the time like this. And then I'd wake up with two dead arms. And so I used to be like this. And then I'd 
flip one arm out, and then I'd be like, you brace yourself for the pain coming as the blood flows around. And then I'd get it, and I'd use it to lift my other arm out. And then, you know, you just kind of play with that numb arm for a while, slapping yourself in the face, because, you know, it's like, ha, <laughs> ha, okay. That works in a normal bed. When you wake up in a water bed for the first time, and you go like this, and it just goes, First time it happened to me, I had the sheets had moved, okay, and so they had wrapped around underneath me, and it was wobbling, and I was trapped with two dead arms, and I started to panic. Okay, so I've been married for maybe like two weeks, still trying to be Mr. Cool, okay, and I'm like this, and then, truth be told, Fear started to get to the better of me. I went, oh no. And I'm going, honey, wake, wake up, honey, wake up. She wakes up, I'm like, she's like, what am I? I'm trapped, honey. <laughs> it was terrifying. I worked out the only way I could get free from that death trap of a bed is to fully launch myself and get half my body up onto the right of the water bladder and then over the side to get one arm to drop off the side. And then blood, that, you cannot slowly let the blood flow down when it's just like this. It just shoots down and oh my gosh. So that's often how I wake up during the night. There's three ways that I wake up. That's the main one. The other one is I get cramp in my left calf muscle. You know, and I wake up just like, oh, I'm in pain. And then the other one, it's because I've got three children who are just like permanent random alarm clocks. Okay, so those are the three main ways that I wake up during the night. The only way my wife normally wakes up is from me yelling in my sleep all the time. Okay, so like dreams are amazing, okay? Dreams are really cool and they're a lot of fun. Going to sleep is amazing, but if you don't awaken at some point, it's called being dead, Okay, and so what I want to talk tonight is I want to talk about dreams, but I want to talk about the purpose of a dream is to actually awaken something in you. Because if all you ever have is a dream, then you've got an idea that always stays dead. If it doesn't begin to awaken something in you, you're just somebody that's living and breathing but not achieving, and it's just like a warm body moving around the planet that was destined for so much more because dreams were meant to awaken something something in you. If all the amazing people could open up their Bibles, um, I'm going to kick off in uh, Matthew chapter 20. And I want to read from the Passion Translation. We're going to get a little bit through this story, and then we're going to pause for suspense, and then we're going to come back to it at the end as this nice bookend of the message. And everyone will go, oh, good point. Okay, so Jesus is talking. See, no one jumped up and got excited and started screaming. Here we go. I said, Jesus was a talking. Okay, so this is the book of Matthew in the Passion Translation. Jesus is chatting to his mate. He says, this will help you understand the way heaven's kingdom operates. There once was a wealthy landowner who went out at daybreak to hire all the laborers he could find to work in his vineyard. After agreeing to pay them the standard day's wage, he put them to work. Then at nine o'clock, he was passing through the town square. He found others standing around without work. He told them, come and work for me in my vineyard, and I'll pay you a fair wage. So off they went to join the others. He did the same thing at noon, and again at three o'clock, making the same arrangements as he did with the others. 
Hoping to finish his harvest that day, he went to the town square again at five o'clock and found more who were idle. So he said to them, why have you been here all day without work? Because no one hired us, they answered. So he said to them, then go and join my crew and work in my vineyard. Okay. I want to begin to talk to you tonight about three dreams because as I was reading this in my Bible last week, the story just began to jump out at me that God was beginning to, to speak to me about something really dear in his heart, something for us as a church, and something that is going to begin to set us up for that loving, strongest series, that like there's a bit of a gear change coming um, for us as a church and the things that God is leading us into. And I want to just tell you about three dreams. And uh, these, these are prophetic dreams um, to help paint a bit of a picture about what God is going to be doing and how our hearts need to be postured so that we can get the most out of the season. See, Jesus only ever did what he saw the Father doing. He's never doing his own thing. He said, you know, I'm just about my Father's business. So our, our job as sons and daughters is to be looking to see what Jesus is doing. I want to start off with a dream that my brother had. And uh, this, was, this was a couple weeks ago. If you were at church last week, he shared it. And I want to share it again because I just, I just feel like there's something quite pivotal on it because what he told me from his dream were the same things that God had just been speaking to me about and lots of other leaders um, and people in this church as God just begins to stir our hearts for the things that are really important to him. So Josh, he's my, he's my older brother. He's one of the elders um, in this church and he's a pretty cool dude. Um, you should take the time to get to know him. If you haven't met him before, come on a Sunday morning. doesn't normally make it on a Sunday night because he's busy with his kids. But this was his dream. He was fast asleep, and then in his dream, he woke up into another dream. I don't know if you've ever had that before. I've had it a few times. It's really trippy when you wake up from a dream. It's often like if you feel like you know, you're in a dream, and you're dreaming, and you wake up, and you think you're going to be late. I do it the most when I'm trying to get to sleep in my dream, and I can't sleep in my dream, then I wake up, and I'm like, oh, i got to get to sleep. And in the morning, I'm like, oh, I was asleep the whole time because I was dreaming that I couldn't sleep, but there were snakes that keep waking me up, so clearly it was a dream the whole time. So he had a dream, and he woke up from his dream into another dream, and there was an invitation from God. It was purple with gold writing on it, had calligraphy, it was embossed, and it was very fancy, and purple generally represents the color of royalty. And so he got this invitation, and it was inviting him to meet with God at 6.46 a.m. And in the dream, he looked at the clock, and it was 6.47, and he panicked, thinking, oh my gosh, I've just slept through a God appointment. God's given me an invitation to do something with him, and I slept through it. And as he looked at the clock, it ticked over, but instead of ticking to 6.48, it supernaturally ticked back to 6.46. And so he then woke up from that dream in real life, and it was about three o'clock in the morning, and his heart's racing, going, oh my gosh, that was a God dream. Something's going to happen at 6.46. So being Josh, um, he set his alarm and stayed awake for most of the night, and then we finally caved at like six o'clock, and then got up into the, got his dressing gown on and just went and sat in the living room and just waited, watching the clock for 6.46 to roll by, thinking something's going to happen at 6.46. So 6.46 came by and nothing happened. And he was like, well, that was, that was really disappointing. I was expecting something and I got absolutely nothing. So then he begins to go, well, God, what, what does that dream mean? And he thought, oh, 6.46, I actually think that's a Bible verse. 
He's like, I wonder how many books in the Bible have a chapter six with 46 verses. So he Googled it, and the first 20 entries of Google came up, and it was Luke chapter six, verse 46. And so he Googled it. And so he's telling me this. And in the few weeks leading up to this point, I've been having this this dialogue within myself where I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my book of Matthew, and I'm going to start reading it, and I'm going to start to write down everything that Jesus says to do. Because I began to have this passion in my heart because Jesus says these wild statements. He says, if you love me, then do what I say. And I read things like that. I go, oh, Jesus, I do love you. He says, well, if, if you do love me, then, then do what I say. And I read these radical things throughout the Bible where it says, faith without works is dead. And I go, faith without works is dead. Like my faith that I have is a gift from God. But if it doesn't do anything, then it's gonna die. I'm like, I don't want my faith to die. I want my faith to do things. I want it to go to work. I want it to be like these guys who get hired to go to the vineyard where where Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like God walks around looking for people who want a job to do. He says, hey, come work with me. I will put you to work. And I'm going, man, God, I want my faith to work. I don't want it to just wither and wait. Because you know, I, I, I like doing exercise. And... Like, I think that I'm pretty good at it until I try and do it with my brother. Like, I exercised nearly every day for three months doing weights, and he came and did it with me. The second time he did it, he was already lifting nearly double what I was lifting. So I was like, oh, that's demoralizing. And then I got a little bit sick, and so I didn't lift weights for about 10 days, and I went back to do it. I could hardly do what I could do 10 days ago. The muscles had already started just disappearing, and I was like, oh, this is lame. Because if you don't keep working, it begins to go, Aww. and that's like, I'm like, I don't want my faith to do that. I want my faith to be like, oh, it's so impressive. So I begin reading my Bible, and Jesus is saying, if you love me, do what I do, and do what I say, and say what I do, and all these things. So I begin, I'm going to write them down. And I was like, I'm going to write down the requirements of Jesus. If I want my life to look like His, I want to see what the Father's going to do, I'm going to start writing it down. After two days, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like Jesus has all these things that he thinks that I can do. I'm like, I can't do any of these things. Jesus is like, cast out demons. I'm like, well, I can do that sometimes. Sometimes it's awesome. Then other times I'm praying for people. And and I'm like, you know, and I'm like, I don't know if they went away free or not. I don't know. Like, what happened? It's like, heal the sick. I'm like, I pray for sick people. And sometimes they get healed. And then sometimes they don't. I'm like, oh. And then he's like, raise dead people back to life. I've never successfully even raised a sheep back to life. Every animal that I've ever prayed for has gotten worse and then died. So I was like, I'll stop praying for animals. It does not work with animals. And so I started reading all these things and I was like, man, I meant to be like living like Jesus. Jesus, this is ridiculous. How do I, how do I engage with this? Like you've set the standard so high. And I know that you would say, well, I've set the resources higher. My grace is more than enough. I'm like, well, I can't see it, Jesus. Like, so after about two days, I stopped writing the list because I just had a list of things I put at the top, the requirements of my king. And as I looked down the list, I had maybe two things on the list that I could say, you know what? I, I can really nail that. And everything else that I looked at the list, I, I, on the inside, I was going, I think I'd be too scared to try. I think that I'd be too scared to try that. I'm probably too scared to try that. I've tried that enough times and it didn't work, so I just stopped trying. 
And as I began to look at these things, I began to see these are the things that my loving father said, I designed and created you to do these things. They're not a list of things that you need to do to please me. They're just a list of things that would be fun for you to do. Like, I love playing football with my kid. And when I play soccer with him, I teach him how to play, not so that he has all these rules to follow, but so that he can enjoy the beauty of the game. And so I began to look at these requirements of the king. If I want to live like him, then I began to see these are all the things that he's placed around us, all these incredible challenges. He goes, you know what? I want you to see me at work in this. I want you to see me do incredible wonders in this. I want you to see my hand at work. I want these are the ways that you and I are going to connect together. This is how we're going to work together. I want to hire you to come work in my vineyard and be a part of this. So this had all been going through my heart, and I hadn't been telling too many people about it because my list was fairly uninspiring. Um, I generally only like to tell people things I'm being awesome at. And so and then my brother tells me this dream. So I'm like, well, what does the verse say? He says, oh, I looked it up, Luke chapter 6, verse 46. And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I say? And so he tells me that, and I'm like, oh, Maybe that's just for him. And, so, and then he goes, and so I asked God, God, is this just for me or is this for, like our whole, is this for our whole church family? And he felt God say, it's for you and the whole church family. And I was like, oh, I think I'm a part of that family. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I say? And it's hear this, it's not a sense of, I don't believe it's Jesus saying, hey, why do you say that I'm Lord and then just ignore what I say? It's, If you knew what it was for me to be Lord, then you would have the empowerment to do what I say. If if you, why why do you say that you're you're the name above all names and then let the authority of sickness be a bigger name in your mind than me? Why, Why do you say, Jesus, your love and then let anger and frustration get the better of you? If you knew in your heart that I was all these things, if you'd truly seen me, then you would know how to do these things and, and I would be able to do this stuff with you. So that's the first dream. I'm, I'm, I'm telling these dreams tonight because I'm wanting to stir your heart into action and expectation that the dreams of people and of God will begin to awaken something in you where, like me, it could be as simple as looking at things and going, you know what, I feel dissatisfied and I'm prepared to fail if it would give me the opportunity of experiencing something that I haven't experienced before. I would rather step out in faith and feel as though that moment had failed than stay on the fence and wonder because I've spent too many times wondering what would happen. I would rather just have the certainty of knowing that I stepped out and my good, good father had the opportunity to move through me. So that's the first dream. The second dream was, a, was, a, was, like, it was like a vision you could say, or a really strong picture. And it happened for me about six weeks ago at Thrive on a Sunday morning, right about where Glenn is sitting. And and I was over there and the worship was just going off. Tim Goodwood was service leading and the worship was just like next level. And I was having a great time when all of a sudden, I just had this real, like it was almost like the Holy Spirit just rolled over me. And I had this really clear picture of me just kneeling at Jesus' feet. It was so real. And in that moment, I had such awareness of His goodness. 
But it was almost like Jesus was, was walking and he had paused for a moment because he was, he was on his way to do something. When you read the Bible, Jesus is so often on his way, but on his way, he, compassion causes him to pause for a moment or release something of heaven. And it was almost like Jesus was on his way and he was going somewhere. And in this, I, in this moment at church on a Sunday morning, I just began weeping. And I was like, like, it was like ugly snot tears, like weeping is a nice, I was just like bawling my eyes out. And in the picture, I was holding on to Jesus' feet going, Jesus, don't pass by. Like, Jesus, don't pass us by. Don't pass us by. Like, stay here, Jesus. Do something here with us, Jesus. We want to be a part of what you're doing, Jesus. And it wasn't like Jesus was walking past going, oh, you guys don't want to be a part of what I'm doing, so I'm going. It was, man, I'm so good. I I, I want to pause here because I have something that I want you to take a hold of. And he was lingering. And the fact that he was there caused such a hunger in me, like I hadn't felt in so long to take a hold of and going, Jesus, I just want you. Jesus, whatever you're doing in our family, like let it awaken something in us, God. And, and the worship was going awesome and it was all I could do to not make a scene and just yell out, don't stop. Like I was fighting back, just yelling out, don't stop worshiping, which would have been a big crazy distraction and not the right, right way to communicate. And then the worship went off and Tim was great and people were getting touched. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. But that feeling didn't leave. And I ended up kind of walking, hobbling back into the back corner, like in a semi-fetal position, just shaking because it's such an awareness that Jesus was pausing. Like Jesus was stopping on his way with his heart on a mission, but he wants us as a family to be a part of it. He goes, I, I want you to say, you are, You're Lord, Lord, and so I want to, I'll do what you do. Like Jesus, I want to be a Christian. I'm going to be Christ like. I want to live like you, sound like you, talk like you, walk like you, move like you. I want to be just like you. And there's a sense of him going, I want you to be a part of me. Just take a hold of me. And it began to stir my heart and began to wreck me and give me a sense of urgency. Because I don't want to miss out on what he's doing in our community because apathy or comfort or fear were bigger names in my heart in the name of Jesus. I want to take a hold of him because his goodness isn't an excuse for me to have apathy. His goodness is is an invitation for me to be like him. His goodness is an invitation for us as a church to go, you know what, even though some of these things um, for us might be a bit scary, they might be a bit of out of a comfort zone, they might cost us something, it's going to be a requirement of me, of my spirit, of my soul, of my finances, of my emotions, of my time, whatever it is, Jesus, I, I want to pay whatever it is that you're asking so that I can be a part of what you're doing. Jesus, I, I want to come work with you. Here I am. Like, I want to work in your vineyard. I want to be a part of the people that bring in a harvest. Because see, Jesus had a dream. And the last dream I want to talk about is, is his dream. See, Jesus came to earth and his dream wasn't even his dream. He said, I just, my dream is to do the will of the Father. And so God had a dream that became Jesus' dream. And so Jesus has a dream that is meant to become our dream. And the aspirations and the desires of a heart are meant to 
be like a mosaic of bringing completion and wholeness to Jesus' dream. Because Jesus' dream was that he, he had these incredible statements. Uh, if you were a friend growing up with Jesus, you would have thought he was the craziest dude on the planet. Go, Jesus, one day like when I'm older, I'm going to have the fastest camel. Like, Jesus, that is my dream. I'm going to have the, my camel will have five humps, okay? It's going to be like stretched out, okay, five people, that's my dream. I'm starting a new camel breeding business. It's going to be amazing. And we've got eagle DNA. It's going to have wings. That's my dream, Jesus. What's your dream? And Jesus like, well, here's my dream. My dream is that I'm going to draw all men to me. That's a weird dream, Jesus. My dream, Jesus would be like, well, my dream is that nobody in the entire human race would be lost. That's my dream. My dream is that I would destroy every single work of the devil, whether it's sickness, whether it's greed, whether it's anger, whether it's pain, whether it's rejection, whether it's mental illness, whether it's disability, whatever it is. Whatever it is, my dream is that I would destroy and root out every aspect of him from the face of the planet. Why don't you just go for five camels? You know, and Jesus just would, he began to list off all these dreams, all these dreams. My dream is this, and my dream is that. I've come to fulfill the dreams of my father. I, I've come to heal the sick. I've come to open the eyes of the blind. I've come to set captives free. I, I've come to destroy the devil. I've come to give freedom and salvation to all the world. This is my dream. And then he has this radical thing with his dream, because my, my dream rolls like this. I'm gonna get the ball rolling, but I, I'm not going to do the dream on my own because my dream is that the dream will become completed when I get to do it with my kids, with my sons and my daughters. And, and I'm going to do the dream with them and we're going to do the dream together. And if they don't do the dream, then the dream can't happen. I, I'm not even going to come back in the flesh until the dream is fulfilled. Like, I could just come back whenever I want, but I'm so determined that my sons and daughters are a part of the dream, that my dream would awaken them to the reality of who I am. I won't come back until the truth of who I am has been preached in every nation across the entire planet. For then my dream is fulfilled. See, my brother had a dream. And Jesus is saying, like, if you're going to call me Lord, then understand who I am and let that truth and revelation of who I am inspire you to awaken to new things. And I had this picture of Jesus going, you know, it's almost like he's going somewhere because, man, I love my family so much. I want to pause and let my goodness give you an invitation to come be a part of what I'm doing because I've got a dream. And the only way that my dream, which is my father's dream, could be completed is if you let it become your dream too. And you let that dream awaken something in you that has got more hunger in it than fear has got insecurity. And so I began to want to just do something. I just want to do something. And, and my, my heart for you tonight is that you begin to ask God, God, what are you asking me to do? I was walking through the mall this week on my way to Kmart to get some nappies. Um, which is pretty cool, and some cheap-ass skipping ropes because Kmart's got the best ones, and they had a new brand in, so I bought two because I kept breaking them. And uh, on the way there, I walked past this big dude, and he had these two kids, and he was putting them in one of these weird toy cars where you put a dollar in, and the car vibrates for like 10 seconds, and it's like, oh, give me more money. Um, and I walked past, I was like, oh, that's a cool dude. And then straight away into my head, just felt God say, he's an amazing dad, and you should tell him. And I was like, oh, that's a weird thought. 
And I kept on walking. And I was like, God, was that you? He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's me. Um, I'm like, what? You're not instilling me with a lot of confidence right now. Spirit, speak louder. And I'm like, I'll tell you what, God, if it's you, after I've done all my shopping, if he's still there feeding money into the toy car, I'll talk to him. And I felt God be like, that's lame. And I was like, that is lame. That's so lame. And God's like, he won't be there when you finish buying nappies at Kmart. So I walked back to him. I was like, hey, bro. He's like, hey, man. I was like, uh, are these your children? <laughs> He's like, yeah. I'm like, this is not going nearly as smooth as I imagined. Because I was like, I don't want to say he's an amazing dad if it turns out they're not even his kids and he's like the uncle. I was like, that's like fail right there. So I was like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so I don't want to interrupt or anything. Um, but like, I'm a Christian and I walked past and saw you and I just felt God say really clearly that you're an amazing dad and he just wants you to know that you're an awesome dad. And he went, oh, cheer, bro, and shook my hand. And I was like, me. And I went... And I did my shopping, and when I came back, guess what? He wasn't still there putting money in the machine. I was like, if nothing else, the obvious word of knowledge was correct. Okay, so that was that day. And then the next day, then the next day, I'm going to go see a travel agent because I want to fly to other countries. So I'm like, I should go see a travel agent because, like, you have stopovers in airports. And I was like, how many stopovers can I get? Will they let me out of the airports? Because, I, like, I want more bang for my buck, okay? And so I was like, I made an appointment, and I'm very time efficient. So I was like, I want you to research everything before I come so I don't have to waste any time when I'm there. I'm like, real loving. She's like, okay. Then in the morning, I get up, and I'm having a spa, um, and I'm just praying about this trip. And then I felt God just say, not very strongly, so it could have been wrong, um, your travel agent that you're going to meet, she's really creative. And I thought, oh, cool. I'll tell her. So then, like, all day, I'm like, I'm going to see my travel agent, who I don't know, her name's, I won't say her name because she even listens to this. I'll say it, pretend one, her name's Michael. Um... <laughs> Gangster, see what I did there? It wasn't actually. Um, so, so I went and see Michael, and I'm sitting there, and she's talking away, and the whole time I'm thinking, how do I tell her that God thinks she's creative? So we're in about 10 minutes into this thing, and she's at a cubicle. So I just go, hey, um, hmm, cool random question for you, just fun fact maybe. Uh, are you creative? And her co-worker in the cubicle next door goes, no, she's not. And I was like lame. And she goes, what? What? I am creative. I'm creative. I'm creative. Yeah, I'm creative. I'm like, yeah, cool. I thought you were creative. She doesn't know what she's talking about, other random co-worker. You don't, you don't even know things. And then I started talking to Michael again. I said, well, I think you're creative because you, know um, you know how I told you that I was a pastor? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I was praying this morning, and then I was praying about you, and I felt God say that he really likes how creative you are, and that he just thinks you're a really awesome, creative person, and he loves that about you. And she was like, oh. And but then she started asking me more questions, and we had this big conversation. And then at the end of the conversation, it worked out that I was her Bible and schools teacher 13 years ago. And I was like, oh. Wow, God, you're very clever. <laughs> like, my version at the moment of doing what Jesus does, 
looks like I do what Jesus' little toenail used to do. But we've just got to start with somewhere. And we just start with something. And like, I, I like being encouraging to people and I'm okay to be wrong. Um, Jess, if we could get you up, that'd be amazing. Um, and I just like, I just want to encourage you to begin to ask him, Jesus, what are you asking me to do? What would looking like you look like in my current situation? If you were me right now, what would you be believing for? What would you be thinking about? What thoughts would be going through your head about my current situation? And how would those thoughts and beliefs impact the way that you acted? Practically, what would it look like for me? See, over, over the last wee while of looking at the things of Jesus and what Jesus does, I began to look back at my last 31 years going, oh, I feel like I've wasted a lot of time. I feel like I could have done so much more. Uh, if I'd been doing this when I was 16 at a youth event, hearing every single youth pastor on the planet say, don't wait till you're older to change the world. Don't wait till you're older to conquer fear. Don't wait for you're older to take risks. Time will just go past like that. Start now. And I heard so many messages of people saying, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. And then all of a sudden, I begin to look at the things that Jesus does. And I go, man, I feel like I just put myself on the bench and I let fear or intimidation play the game that was mine to play. I just want to play the game. Even if I feel like I get to play it for a minute and then I freak out and run off the field. I got to play it for a little bit and then the next day I'll play for two minutes. But I had this feeling of like, oh, I just feel like I've wasted time until I, I began to read the rest of this story. It says, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard went to his foreman and said, call in all the laborers and line them up and pay them the same wages, starting with the most recent ones I hired and finish with the ones who worked all day. When those hired late in the day came to be paid, they were given a full day's wage. And when those who had been hired first came to be paid, they were convinced that they would receive more. But everyone was paid the same wage. See, God is, God is so incredibly good. He says, this is how I want you to know the kingdom of heaven works. I walk around the planet going, I've got a dream to see a harvest come in. I want to see every man brought to myself. I want to see every soul come into relationship with me. This is my dream. And I've got a very great and rich reward and a life fulfillment for anyone who will partner with me in the dream. Anyone who will let my dream awaken them up and come be a part of what I'm doing on the planet. I've got an incredible, great reward. And if you click into it in day one, I've got an amazing, great reward. But I'm so good that if you click into it in the last hour of the day, I'm not going to shortchange you at all because my goodness is defined by me. It's not defined by how or when you began to engage in the process of being discipled and led by me to see people come into my kingdom, to see my kingdom come on the earth. See, God's so good. He never looks at us and goes, man, you know what? You've, you've wasted time. 
You, you could have been doing this ages ago, or, or why weren't you doing this yesterday? He doesn't do that. It says, it says that, he goes, oh, the, the owner of the vineyard was so passionate to see the harvest come in, the full harvest, that even at the end of the day, he began to search for more people going, come be a part of my dream. Come be a part of my dream. So I want to finish the message with encouraging you with this. It's never too late to engage with who Jesus is. It's never too late to go, Jesus, I want to take a hold of your feet. Jesus, don't pass me by. It's never too late to say, God, I want you to awaken something in me. I want to, I want to say that you're Lord, Lord, and then I want to do what you say. I want my faith inside me to grow and become bigger. It's never too late. There's no part of us that is ever disqualified or ruled out. And to me, that just like nothing excites me more than having a God who's got all the answers and all the resources and says that my invitation for you is just always there and it's never too late to take a hold of it. But for me, I just, I don't want to have another year go past where I didn't fully grasp it and run with it. I I don't want to have fear or intimidation hold me back when His perfect love would cast it out. I want to take hold of what he's doing. Glenn's got a dream that's his father's dream to see 10,000 people in our community impacted by the love of Jesus Christ. And I know with the people in this church who let the dreams of Jesus awaken them, that 10,000 is so realistic. It's so achievable. And that dream is becoming my dream and I want to see it. I want to see our community come into the reality of who he is. I just invite you guys to stand. I just wonder this evening, if you're here and you just feel like you need your heart awakened, you're hearing what I'm saying and it's making sense cognitively, but at a heart level, you're going, I just, I don't know how to get that from here to here. I don't know how to take a hold of a Jesus dream and have it come alive inside of me. I, I, I want to be able to take that. I want to be excited about that. I want to be passionate about that. I want to, I want to run with that. And, and if that's you, then what I'd love to do is I'd love to invite you up to the front. And I'd actually really like Glenn. Um, I'd like you to just go along and just release an impartation of the Father's heart and just release an impartation of that goodness and just just call up the sons and daughters in this place to just respond to the dream of Jesus. Um, Just real quick, just lay hands and then move along. So as as the band plays, we're going to get into into a praise song. While that praise song is happening, I'd like you to come up to the front. We're not going to be prophesying or anything like that. Glenn's just going to come along and just laying his hands and it's just a prophetic statement of God just depositing in you that you begin to awaken on the inside to just receive it in faith and go you know what Jesus I want to awaken up to the things of you I want to be a part of that great adventure of doing what it is that you do awesome thank you